Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Dugout Download, the Houston Chronicle podcast about all things Astros. I'm Steve Schaefer of the Chronicle, and with me is our B-Rider, Matt Kawahara, who saw an absolute annihilation by the Astros of the Rangers. He's still in Arlington uh, as we record this. And Matt, it's funny what a difference three days can make. After Sunday, people wondering if the Astros, uh, what was wrong, got swept at home by the Yankees, and then they go to Arlington and outscore the Rangers 39-10, to 10, hit 16 home runs. Give me some of your takeaways from what was really an historic offensive series for the Astros. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was just a three-day dismantling, basically, of the Rangers pitching side. And the Rangers came in reeling a little bit on the pitching side, uh, especially with their bullpen. I mean, their bullpen has been an issue now for a few weeks, and it's really contributed to this run of, I think it's now 4-15 four, uh, four and 15 over the last 19 games. But their bullpen was not in a good spot. And um, I think it was really big in, in the opener on Monday that the Astros, who were scoreless for the first four innings of this series against Andrew Heaney, were able to get Heaney out of the game in the fifth inning and get into the Rangers bullpen, uh, which was really a little bit, you know, upside down coming into the series. And they just started teeing off on the bullpen uh, in in the fifth inning, or in uh, they got Heaney out of the game in the fifth, piled on against the bullpen over the next three innings. And then really that just kind of set a tone for the rest of the series. I mean, they hit five home runs in each of the three games, 16 home runs, as you mentioned, is a to- uh, franchise record for the three-game series. Eight different players homered in the series. Uh, Jose Altuve hit three home runs in the first three innings on Tuesday. The Astros hit three home runs in the first three innings on Wednesday against Max Scherzer, which really sort of upended what was supposed to be a historic pitching uh, battle between him and, and Justin Verlander that ended up not really materializing. And Scherzer himself, you know, came into that series with a little bit of question about you know, how he was doing after reporting experiences, uh, some forearm tightness after his last outing. Whether that contributed or not, and nobody was really pointing to that afterward, but it did, you know, seem like he just he wasn't his sharpest. Uh, but overall, I mean, you look at just, I think it was 50 hits that they totaled over, over the three games. It was just an absolute, really, domination of the series that was built going in as a showdown between two teams that are battling for the division. But right now, it's two teams that are on completely different trajectories, and it ends with the Astros leaving Arlington uh, in first place with a one-game lead over Seattle and Texas three games back. Yeah, I guess it's better to be in first place on September 7th, as we're recording this, than at any time in any previous month. I mean, the Astros, it took them till September 5th to be alone in first place in this division. Mostly the Rangers all year. Mariners had a little bit. Now it's the Mariners who really uh, appear to be the chief competition for the Astros. Yeah, the score is 13-6, 14-1, 12-3. That's 39-10 total. And as you mentioned, I saw this, that the Astros were only the fourth team in Major League history to have three consecutive games in which they hit five home runs. Now, here's the caveat for our listeners. None of those teams won a pin at the 77 Red Sox in the 2019 and 20 Yankees, but uh, very impressive. And one thing, you look at the lineup, we talked about this last podcast somehow, all these pieces are coming together. Michael Brantley is back. And then lo and behold, Jose Abreu is back. And in that series finale, now it seems like one game, who knows, but seven RBIs, a grand slam, a three-run homer. He also had a double. This embarrassment of riches, well, how does Dusty divide the playing time over these next few weeks yeah the Abreu game i think even he afterward uh sort of cautioned against reading too much into one game but it was 
I mean, there were several encouraging swings from him there. Obviously, he had the 12-game absence uh, with the lower back inflammation. I mean, his entire season has been a struggle, and he has not produced to the level that he is used to or that the Astros were expecting when they signed him to that three-year deal before the season. Um, but several of the swings that he had, especially, I mean, the ninth inning home run that he hit, uh, that had, a, a I think it was a 113.3 exit velocity, which was his hardest hit ball in play all season. He also hit the grand slam in the third inning off of uh, off of Scherzer that really started really keyed that run. I mean, it made it seven one in the third inning, and after that, it, it seemed like the game was all, all but decided. Um, but it, it was his first multi home run game as an Astro. Um, he also had a double, and just it, afterward, I mean, both he and uh, Dusty Baker said that it just it seems like he's able to you know, deliver a swing in a way that he wasn't uh, before he went on the IL um, when he was dealing with the back thing. He, he said he feels stronger now. Dusty Baker said it looks like he can just kind of fire out that fast twitch swing a little bit better. And so, again, it's it's one game. Who knows if this is something that can be sustained because he has had some big games throughout the course of the season, but it's just something that has uh, ebbed away. Um, and it, But if he is able to sort of keep this up or at least be a more productive part of that lineup down the stretch. He is getting the chance to play every day still. I mean, they have not wavered from having him at first base regularly. He did sort of have that every other day schedule for the first week or so after he came back from the IL, but he has started the past six games at first base. It looks like they're going to ride with him down the stretch, or at least that's what the indication is right now as, as the first baseman. And he's hitting you know, six. I mean, he hit six for all three games in the series. He's had a few starts uh, where he, he hit seventh, but sixth is really an area where he's going to get a lot of chances to drive in runs because, you know, in, for this series, they had uh, Jordan Alvarez hitting third. They had Bregman fourth because they've moved Jeremy Pena up to second uh, because he's, you know, his average over the last 20 games or so is, is higher. So he's getting on base quite a bit. Uh, Kyle Tucker was hitting fifth. So, I mean, these are guys who are getting on base ahead of Abreu and, and making for a lot of opportunities for him to drive and runs. Um, so he really has to just come through in those opportunities and drive and runs. And then they had uh, Michael Brantley hit seventh after him. Brantley's hitting seventh with the way that he's been able to, I mean, just the way that he's looked in the six games that he's played since coming back from that 14th month, uh, 14 months hiatus uh, for right shoulder surgery. That's a deep lineup. I mean, if you have uh, Altuve, Pena, uh, if they keep Pena up there at second, Altuve, Pena, Alvarez, Bregman, Tucker, uh, Abreu, if he's hitting well, Brantley at seventh. I mean, th- those are your top seven. You're not even factoring in there. Chaz McCormick, uh, who hit his 20th home run and is, you know, there. You know, <laughs> that's obviously an ongoing issue, but Wayne playing time for him where he slots in if he if he gets starts at left field or if he plays some center uh, or Yiner Diaz um, who hit he has 21 home runs now as a rookie um, his playing time is also uh, reduced a little bit now that Brantley's back and Brantley and Alvarez are splitting time at DH obviously Martin Maldonado is drawing the line share of starts at catcher still I think center field is the biggest question how they allocate playing time right now in center field, but you've seen more Mauricio Dubon out there in center over the last week or so, um, maybe seven or eight games. And uh, you know, Dusty Baker was asked a few days ago, what goes into that allocation of playing time in center field? 
it was it was a somewhat slightly vague answer that he gave, but uh, he basically said that there are you know there are different strengths, pros and cons for each of his options. I think it's it's pretty clear that your your strongest offensive option out there in center field is going to be Chas McCord, but it seems like you know Dubon is is the the favorite choice when it comes to arm strength and maybe a little bit of defense. And so yeah, if you're if the rest of the lineup is producing like it did. Uh, in in Texas, and then you actually you saw Dubon also hit two home runs in, in Monday's opener out of a nine spot. Um, I, I I don't know how much you know this sort of explosion uh, in Arlington, which was a pretty lively park, is going to carry over. But it does seem to give a lot of options uh, for how to to build that lineup going forward. And obviously, first things first, they they want to win the division. Look like it's been a pretty safe playoff bet, although you've really got seven teams right now that are going to fill six of those slots. So it's who's the odd team out? Is it going to be the Rangers who had that great start? Blue Jays have crept up in the year. And so um, but I think over these next few weeks, it'll just be interesting to see what he because he's got all these options. You mentioned Yainar Diaz plays once in Texas. Maldonado had a two home run game, but I think everybody's thinking, well, the playoffs, you're going to play that best lineup every day. What are you going to do? And I think about Chaz McCormick, who you talk about the defense, all he did was probably make the greatest catch in Astros history during the World Series last year. Now, that's only one play, but uh, that's going to be something fascinating to watch. We might talk about the pitching just a little bit. And You talked about the Verlander-Scherzer matchup that didn't really live up to expectations, certainly on the part of uh, the Rangers. I can remember back in the O's when Roger Clemens and Greg Maddox opposed each other at Men Maid Park as 300-game winners. Wednesday night's game was the first meeting of 200-game winners since 2015, and, and Verlander had the edge there. And Coming off the game against the Yankees, where he was victimized by the long ball, very encouraging start for Verlander on Wednesday. Yeah, Verlander uh, goes seven, gives up two runs. I think he gave up four hits. Um, and he was staked to such a big lead there that I think uh, maybe, you know, not that he would do this, but there's a little bit more leeway to just kind of go after hitters uh, if you have that kind of a big lead and just try to get as deep in the game as you can. But he was able to do that. Uh, and, and be efficient, get through seven, and also keep that lineup in check, which is a really strong lineup. Um, Marcus Simeon hit a, uh, his first pitch of the game for a home run, and after that, he only gave up uh, one other run over seven. So, yeah, that was an encouraging start for him. Robert Valdez had a, 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 an encouraging start the night before. Um, Valdez, hit, you know, he went through this stretch uh, really for a lot of the second half after the All-Star break where – he was really up and down. I mean, uh, several of his starts around the no hitter that he threw against the Guardians were, were not very strong. But his last three outings have been uh, have been a lot better. I think that was also probably overshadowed a little bit by you know Jose Altuve's game on Saturday and, and or um, on Tuesday and, and just the rest of the offensive production there. But uh, but that was an encouraging outing. Uh, I mean, another positive for the for the Astros to come out of this series was that. They they really didn't have to dip into their bullpen very much. They didn't have to use their leverage relievers all that much. I mean, they did not have a reliever who pitched in more than one game of the series. Um, you know, after Valdez pitched on uh, in, in game two, uh, Joel Kunal came in and, and pitched the final two innings. Yesterday in the blowout, they had Kendall Graveman get in and uh, work the eighth after Verlander, and then they used Ryan Presley with a nine run lead just because he's pitched, I think, something like twice in the last 11 days now or something. So, um, so it was their, their bullpen, which was sort of, you know, touch and go there for, for, uh, maybe 
you know, a week or 10 days during that stretch of when they were playing 13, 13 days in a row, uh, seems to be in a lot better place now also coming out of this series just because everybody's pretty rested and then they have this off day uh, today, Thursday, before getting into this series against the Padres. Um, so, I mean, for them, this was, this was, there were a lot of positives coming out of this series. Yeah, I don't know if I mentioned it, that last star between 200-game winners was CeCe Sabathia and Mark Burley. And, uh, hey, Verlander, he's probably, he may be our last chance to a 300-game winner. I was uh, thinking about before this year, he had to average 14 wins a year over the next four years. Well, even after the being sh- on the sideline for the early part of the year, he's got 11 wins. So uh, that's something to think about uh, for the uh, long-term future. But, yeah, short-term, I guess one thing I would mention, one last thing from the Rangers series, kind of a scary moment for Ryan Stanek. Uh, relief pitcher at first base, but didn't turn out maybe as bad as was initially feared. Yeah, that was a scary moment. I mean, uh, Stanek was injured, uh, trying to cover first base on a ground ball, trying to beat out Leo Tavares uh, to the base. Just took an awkward step as he hit the base. Um, he was diagnosed with a, a, a right ankle sprain. Um, the severity of it was not clear uh, the day after he was going back to Houston to get some tests and determine, you know, sort of what the severity is. But I mean, the initial scene was, um, was, it didn't look good. And, you know, he acknowledged afterward that he was sort of fearing the worst at that point in time. And you can kind of tell with his reaction when, when he was down, he was carted off the field. And as, as he was loaded onto the cart and sort of punched the cart in frustration. And, uh, he said afterward, he was glad that just that it wasn't broken. Uh, so I think we're still we're, we are still waiting to learn sort of what the severity of the sprain is. But he was able to express some hope the day after that. Um, you know, he misses not that much time. He's able to come back in the regular season, which obviously only has uh, four weeks left. Um, but that that looks like it uh, maybe just wasn't as bad as, as it initially looked. So Stanek has um, been he hasn't been sort of in that echelon of highest leverage relievers that they've had this season, despite the the year that he had last year, where his ERA, I think, was 115. Um, but, you know, he has been been there and, and been pretty reliable for them. So um, that's, you know, if they're able to get him back down the stretch and, and going into the postseason, that would just make their bullpen deeper. So looking to the immediate future, six-game homestand now coming up for the Astros at Minute Maid Park, three with the Padres who've been We've talked about a lot of disappointing teams, so a lot of people bring up the Mets who wind up uh, trading Verlander and Scherzer, but the Padres to me are almost inexplicable because their their lineup looks too good to be uh, under 500. Astros will fa- face Blake Snell in the opener on Friday, who uh, leads the National League in ERA, but, uh, and then three with the Athletics, and I guess one thing we can say about Oakland is if they lose every game from here on out, they will not set a loss record. They've, they've cleared that hurdle. The most they could lose is 119 games, and I don't think they'll lose them all uh, from this point on. But I guess when we look at this homestand, rather than necessarily touch on the specific teams, the Astros have some very fascinating home road splits this year, Matt. In fact, eight wins in a row now on the road, um, 45 and 27. That's 18 games over 500 on the road, and yet at minute made, they are 35 and 34. They got swept by the Yankees in their last three games. Is there any explanation for this lack of success at home compared to the great success on the road? Not that I've been able to find. I mean, I've asked a few players uh, just if they have any theories as to what the difference is. Um, but every, everybody has kind of said, 
No, basically, it's it's just something that uh, this is how the the series or the season has played out so far. Uh, the biggest difference or the biggest split is really in the offense production um, on the road versus at home. I, they, the, the Astros lead the American League in uh, in most major offensive ca- categories on the road. OPS, home runs, runs scored. Uh, I think their team OPS um, on the road is something like 70 points higher than it is at home, which is not really something that you would expect, especially with, you know, Minute Maid Park and, and um, sort of just the success that they've had there in recent years, but, uh, but for whatever reason, this is, uh, how it's played out so far this season. Um, you know, I think we asked Alex Bregman after, uh, the, the Yankees sweep, if he has any theories about it, and he said, no, we just need to play better at home. Um, Dana Brown general manager was on the radio the other day and was asked about it. And he said, he doesn't really have any, uh, any ideas or any explanations about why it is. Um, but the Astros do play 12 of their final 21 games of the regular season at home. Uh, and then obviously, you know, assuming that there is, if they do get into the postseason uh, home field advantage, you know, it would behoove them to figure out a little bit about why, why there is this difference for them, uh, for them in, in home games so far this season. But I mean, to, to your basic question, I, I don't know that anybody really has an answer to sort of how this, this season has played out so far. Um, but I think you know, Friday's opener against the Padres, that's an interesting matchup because they've also hit left-handers really well um, this series. And that's partly because they're, they're left-handed hitters, uh, especially Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, have really handled same-side matchups well. Um, they have several hitters in their their lineup, uh, including Chaz McCormick, who have really crushed lefties this year. Um, Blake Snell, obviously a lefty, but a tough left-handed matchup. Um, and so there are all these different factors that go into that with, with the home road splits and, and the lefties that will make, I think, that first game against the Padres interesting. And as you as you said, their lineup, you know, they do have some good hitters. And, and with the way that the, uh, the Astros have, have just overall played at home, you, you can't really go into that series, I think, um, expecting that they're just going to handle uh, handle it with no problem, and, and the A's coming in after you would expect. I mean, the, the Astros played nine of their final games on the regular season against the Royals and the A's, who are the two teams I believe still have the, the two worst records in the American League. So, I mean, that would seem to line up really promisingly for Houston. The A's uh, are there. There's just so much fluctuation on that roster, but. They have brought up some uh, some young players who are performing decently for them. I think Zach Geloff is one of was one of their top prospects, uh, who was just named American League's Rookie of the Month uh, for August. And I don't think it's quite it's well, it's definitely not a similar, a, exactly similar situation to the Yankees coming in because the Yankees do have you know veteran sluggers and and a, just a, a stronger overall lineup and team, but. But the Yankees team that came in here, I mean, they started four or five rookies or four or five players who were 24 or 25 years old or younger um, in that series against uh, against the Astros and came in and swept. And I, I, it's again, it's not it's not a parallel, but um, but I think it is something to watch out for. Where when you have young players like that, then uh, a there's not as much known about them, and and b they're probably you know hungry to to try to prove something. Uh, coming in, so I so it, it will be an interesting homestand just in the two different types of matchups, and um, you know, the the Astros have really 
sort of position themselves well. I mean, they, like like you said, they're they're in first place, full position in first place for the second consecutive, or second consecutive day after not being there for the entirety of the season. Um, they they do still have this uh, setup at the end of the season where the uh, the the Mariners and the, and the Rangers play play each other seven of the final ten days. Um, so. You know, who knows if that's going to tilt to one side or not, or if the two teams are going to beat up against each other. But the Astros really do have this chance to sort of position themselves well going into those last two weeks if they can take care of business against these teams that don't have great records. Um, that's sort of where they stand leading into this homestand. Well, this homestand, the next to last one of the regular season. Here we are in September, three with the Padres, three with the A's, and then they'll have three with the Orioles and three with the Royals uh, a couple weeks, uh, a couple weeks um, hence. But, um, yeah, they're in first place, and, and they've got to be feeling pretty good about themselves right now. And I think about Seattle and Texas playing seven times in those last 10 days, but Seattle might say, hey, great, the way Texas is playing right now, um, uh, the way the Astros just um, ran roughshod over the Rangers in Arlington. But, it, uh, again, it all starts Friday night at Minute Maid Park. Uh, one note, Friday night's game, not on AT&T Southwest. That's an Apple uh, Plus game to start off the six-game homestand. You've been listening to Dugout Download a podcast about all things Astros. I want to remind you that you can follow Matt Kalahara at HoustonChronicle.com and the pages of the Houston Chronicle. We also give our thanks to Pirate Audio for their production expertise on that end. Thanks for listening to this edition of the show, and we'll be talking to you again in another week.